Hello. Oh, hi. Good morning. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you? The guy has a has a Hell Nine Thousand on his wall. Uh huh. You know. Uh, it's Tuesday. Optimistic day. The optimistic day, and it's it's whoa, <laughs> and it's been a a big week. Big woo, pew, pew, big yeah, week. Yeah, big week. Huge week. Huge week. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um. Here we are again in mm. in, uh, in Spain. <laughs> yeah, well, what's going on? I was reading about the uh, Wizard of Oz and all the, I mean, so much went on behind the scenes of that. You don't even know. You don't even know, Merlin. You don't even mm. know. The other movies you couldn't even sit in. Oh, I rewatched it. Yeah, you talking about that movie, that. the 1939 movie directed by, uh, 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 what's the guy's name? It was different people, MGM, MGM, MGM. Yeah, and it went through all these different directors, directors. and everyone was... was King, King Vidor? No, what was the guy's name? Recast. Yes. And it had its fair share, supposedly had its fair share of uh, bad luck. Yeah. Dan, Dan, why did they say that the production of The Wizard of Oz uh, was so difficult? Was it, well, let me put it this way. Is it more difficult than the movie The Revenant? Because I've heard that movie was very difficult to make. I... I couldn't tell you exactly why it okay. was so okay. difficult. Okay, okay, you, you, were, you weren't even around then. I mean, metaphorically, I was around, but not in the way you mean. You're saying you're an old soul. Mm-hmm. What, what, do you, what do you know about that? About the Wizard you know, of Oz why, why, and why it had so well, many problems? you know, it sounds like you're a scholar of this. It sounds like you're a person who spent a lot of time on this. I'm guessing on the source material and, you know. Well, I just read the Wikipedia on it, but I'm, uh, I mean, okay. which qualifies me as pretty expert at this point. Remember Under the Rainbow? Remember that movie with Chevy Chase? Uh, was that the one where he got exposed to the toxic waste from a truck that was in front of him when he was driving on the highway and he got superpowers? Dr. Rosen pizza, penis. <laughs> Dr. Oh, that's Rosen Fletch, Rosen? Dr. Rosen Rosen. <laughs> now, this is a movie that was um, uh, a comedy with him and Carrie Fisher, I believe, from about 1980, 81, 82. And uh, it was about uh, the little people all uh, staying at a hotel while they were working on The Wizard of Oz, having hijinks and whatnot. Chevy Chase Toxic Waste Movie. Chevy Chase Modern Toxic Problems Waste. was the name oh, of that modern movie. Modern Problems, right. Did you ever... Have Modern Problems? Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I see the problems. movie. Modern oh, Problems. No, I, I don't... Mm, I, a, ni- a 1981 American fantasy comedy film written and directed by Ken Shapiro and starring Chevy Chase, Patty de Arbenville and Dabney Coleman. The film grossed $26.2 million in the United States. A DVD reissue, release of the film was issued in 2005. Okay. P- plot. Max Fielder is an air traffic controller whose life is slowly going down the drain. His girlfriend Darcy has just left him because of his jealousy and negativity. Now everywhere mm. he goes, he seems to run into her with Barry, her narcissistic old friend, which drives Max crazy. Is that, One, is that Dabney Coleman? I guess it is. The Dab? One night while he's driving home from a party at a gay nightclub in lower Manhattan, a tanker mm. truck spills nuclear waste onto his car and through his open sunroof, covering him with glowing green goo. The next day he notices that he has developed telekinetic powers with his newfound discovery. Max decides to put his powers to use by striking back at his tormentors to win back the love of Darcy. <laughs> uh, okay. So it's kind of like stripes meets old boy. <laughs> I guess. Um, I, you know, it seems impossible given my age and exposure to cable TV in the early eighties. It seems impossible. I didn't see that. I must've seen that. Uh, 
I don't, I, geez, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's good are those uh, Scotty Young uh, comics of the Oz series. Which ones are you into right now? Me? Yeah. No, this is when my kid was little. My, my, that was one of my wife, my wife, my wife uh, would read her the Oz ones when the, when she was little. Love that Scotty Young. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's a good storyteller. He can draw pretty well. He likes to, mm. uh, he likes to write. Mm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Fil- uh, filming started in July, 1980. For The Wizard of Oz. It was Chase's fifth movie in two years following Caddyshack, Seems Like Old Times, Oh Heavenly Dog, and Under the Rainbow. <laughs> there were problems doing the film, said Chase later. <laughs> there were times when I wasn't happy at all the way things were going. Hmm. Though I'm bound to say, considering it was Ken Shapiro's first film as a director, he's come up with a very funny film. Hmm. Chase was nearly electrocuted while filming a flying scene involving wires and had to spend several weeks in hospital. Oh, he's in hospital. The film's release was complicated by the 1981 air traffic controller strike. Sure. Hmm? The film was recut prior to release to get an R rating, which upset the writers who felt the film's best laughs were lost. I'm really happy with modern problems, said Chase prior to release. I don't okay. pretend to know why Fox isn't showing it to the press. I can only suppose it's because they don't want to take a chance of getting bad reviews. Hmm. <laughs> anything, anything else? The New York Times said, it's oh. not that modern problems is so bad, though it is incredibly sloppy, but that it's the kind of movie that doesn't need reviews to find its audience. The members of that audience whose inner clocks are set by their television habits don't worry much about consistency or point of view, and having short attention spans, they immediately forgot the long, dull patches that separate the truly funny sequences. That's the New York Times? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Modern Uh, problems. We don't don't curse on this program, but that is some serious poop posting right there. (laughs) I know. Jiminy Christmas, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I bet this looks good when it's projected on the side of a trailer. Maybe you could watch this while sitting on a tractor, dummy. Yeah, yeah. I'm the New York Times, dummy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's fun is what made me think of this Twitter, of course. Yesterday uh, I saw in uh, on political Twitter, as I like to call it, I saw somebody talking about, um, I, well, maybe it was in The Guardian. Long story short, it was somebody basically commending uh, you uh, to check out the Valley Girl. The 1983 movie. Valley Girl. Valley Girl. And talking about the make, how Valley Girl got made, and uh, I can find it for notes, but I love that movie so much when I was 15 years old. I think it's Nicolas Cage's first, you know, I mean, so he was in, I think he was in Fast Times uh, in a small part, but this was his first, like, like, I think named role, and he was a star, and it was a, not a, not a vehicle to start him, but it, in retrospect, it was obviously how things started. Anyway, um, and I remember loving that movie. I remember loving that soundtrack. It's what I think kind of either launched or propelled the song Melt With You by Modern English. The use oh, okay. of, of course, Million Miles Away by Plimsolls is well known because of that movie. Long story short, um, I, I was like, oh, let's I said to my kid, let's just watch the, watch the trailer for this. Wowie kazowie. Oh boy. Yeah. You should check out the trailer for Valley Girl. I remember it being a very 80s movie, necessarily, but it is so hilariously 80s um, that it looks like something from like Stranger Things. It's wild. I know that I saw that movie. Yeah. But it's I, kind I of have Romeo and Juliet in LA. No memory with, of it. 
with with Valley Girl, Preppy Girl, and um, Punk Rock Guy. Okay. But um, man, man, I mean, they used to make so many movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so many movies. There's and a now, movie. It seemed like every day coming out, new movie. New movies all the time, but also just, and this is something a lot of people way smarter and wiser than me have said, but it is a little bit of a bummer that, well, at least in the before times, you would have these movies that had to have such broad appeal. I don't say watered down, but you know, that was made to be a four quadrant Marvel kind of movie. And it's just, there's so many movies in the eighties that were so seventies and eighties that were so weird and so quirky. And you had these uh, smaller studios that would just crank out, not not trash, but like, you know, good movies. Um, remember all the different logos you'd see at the beginning of movies in the 80s and 90s that you just don't see anymore. They're gone. They're gone. I think they got subsumed and sliced up and, you know, fed to the dire wolves. All right. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of miss that time of like being able to see a really, really strange movie um, that was usually like, okay, well-made. Might have people you recognize, might not. I don't know. Old man problems. Yeah. I don't know what happens now. Hamilton's coming out a lot earlier than anybody expected. That's wild. They announced today that uh, Hamilton's going to drop on Disney Plus in on July 3rd instead of October. I think it's October 2021 was when they were going to put it out. So this is a movie version of the musical. The They shot... Um, I don't know the exact details of this. My understanding is that what, when they had the original Broadway cast, uh, I think at the time, maybe I, I'm assuming at the time they were still on Broadway, um, they shot um, a movie of it. I mean, o- you know, over time, they've got so much footage that they could use to, you know, turn into um, a movie. And uh, us, uh, you know, dorks that love Hamilton have been um, champing at the bit to see that. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Got my email about uh, HBO Max, my account being converted to HBO Max. Times of confusion, Dan. There's a lot I of stuff on TV. I heard that the new Adventure Time uh, movies, little short movies, are coming to HBO Max. What? Yeah. Is it extended universe or characters we know? It's BMO. What? Yeah. BMO goes on like a trip into outer space and um, Adventure Time short films or outside lands or something like that hmm. okay adventure time it's in the news it's all in the news all over the place distant lands adventure time distant lands huh. An official teaser trailer Ooh. is in our show notes i gotta start reading the trades dan uh where would people find show notes for episode 477 of your back to work program uh back to work dot limo slash 477 Four seven seven. Um, I will look forward to that. Oh, oh, Bimo, how'd you get so pregnant? Who's the mother? Oh, who's the father? Oh, I'll tell you if you keep it a secret. We will, we will. Oh, what was it? Uh, last night an invisible presence came into my room. See, Bimo, oh, baby, remember the egg? Remember that little egg? Remember that? Beam has a little egg. Yeah, I do vaguely remember yeah. that. It's been a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Long time. We feel like in our household that Peppermint Butler represents a certain kind of character in things that we like. The the angel, the demon, the 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 character on a show that is slowly revealed to be not what they seem and to be possibly some kind of uh, 
an agent of chaos. Mm-hmm. Got Peppermint Butler, uh, Thirty Rock. You got Kenneth. Oh, so yeah. in other words, they, they, there is a an archetype character that has some kind of evil power. I guess so, but like you know how like slowly you realize the Peppermint Butler, like there's something going on with Peppermint Butler. Yes, the, right. And I think if the obvious, well, no spoilers, but in Thirty Rock, there's a character that you know ends up, you know, you know, Kenneth is eternal. Mm-hmm. Kenneth has always been the same age and always will be the same age. And it's proven in the last scene of 30 rock. Mm. Mm-hmm. Pep butts. He's eating the dirt. <sighs> I can't believe I ever doubted you, Dan. Remember when I used to doubt you? I'd say, why? Who's, who's the lemon man? I think I used to say, I'd say, Dan, why'd you before, oh, pa- before you watched adventure why'd time, I told you it was good. Page have a lemon man putting on glasses to read about dog buns. <laughs> yes, that? That's I right. Used to say. Remember that? Yeah. I was skeptical. I was a skeptic. It fooled me, Jerry. Well, I did watch. I did watch a couple episodes of that uh, being a god in Central Florida show. Oh wow! Yeah, it's. it's the- I couldn't get. I couldn't get into it, but I do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Oh, good. Well, I, I appreciate you giving it the effort. It was just in that that first episode. Is that's why it just seems so in our wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. It's it's got a um, you know, it's one of those kinds of shows. It's accurate. Yeah, I think probably. But it's also, it's one of the shows where like, um, it's almost like a, along the lines of like a Coen Brothers movie, where if you don't like Coen Brothers, or, or, or Wes Anderson, if you don't like a Coen Brothers movie, and you, or you don't like a Wes Anderson movie, you know, I, I understand that. Because they are very editorial and very much their own thing. And I think that's kind of the same case here. Like if you don't, if you can't get with the weird, dark tone of this show, which is understandable, like you're, you're not going to have fun with it. Crystal. And what is her what is her daughter's name? Like Infinity or what is her name? Jubilee with a weird spelling. Oh. I want to say, is it Infinity? Anyway. It's very yeah, accurate. That's definitely a thing. Um, what have I been watching? I have been watching a lot of YouTube. Nothing too exciting. Um do, do your kids like The Wizard of Oz? The the film from nineteen thirty nine. I'm trying to remember if my kids have seen it. Hmm. Yeah. And it's yeah. weird because like by their age now, my oldest <laughs> is 12. I'd yeah. seen it. You've seen it 11 times. A billion times. Well, I mean, my, I say 11 specifically because it's, uh, it is really funny that this goes through here. Well, welcome to the old times with uncle Merlin, weird uncle. Merlin. <laughs> um, but he, he takes down the music would always show around or on Easter. And I'm trying to remember, I want to say, was it Thanksgiving? No, but they would, you would see um, Wizard of Oz on, I think CBS exactly once a year before yeah. it was on video anyway. And it's, it's so funny. Cause I, if you ask a kid, I, the, the I guess the part of your bit here is if you ask any kid on the playground in fourth grade, fifth grade, if they'd seen the Wizard of Oz, it was like, a movie that almost every kid, you're guaranteed that. that yeah, it was, it was like a universal, oh, everyone's seen that. Everyone's right. seen that. And I mean, isn't that kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe it's not ironic. Maybe it's uh, the exception that proves the rule, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the thing where you, uh, that, that's what was on, Muppet Show. That's all we would talk about the next day is what had happened on the Muppet Show. And you know, like that, the, that, that was because we had four channels. Yep. And if the Muppet Show was on and you were not an adult, yeah, of course you were watching it. Of course. 
The of Muppet course, Show had everything pretty, was pretty shared. Broad. It was all yeah. shared, Merlin. It was all shared. Everyone watched shared. the same thing. Everyone knew what was on. Everyone would come in the next day ready to talk about that show that was the one show that was on for kids, you know? Yeah. And it, it we have so many options now. But what's interesting is I was just talking to uh, my mom's looking at, at um, uh, maybe getting a uh, house here again, maybe coming back. So I went and looked at a place for her and um, and the uh, I was talking to the real estate lady who's actually a, a friend of mine. I've known her for like five or six years. And so we were kind of, you know, catching up, talking about what's going on. And, and it's funny how her daughter, who's around the same age as mine, all find the same shows on Netflix. They all watch Nailed It. They all watch the same cooking shows. Oh, they all, but they've I never met. Show. They've never met each other. They've never talked. <laughs> they just happen to be a similar age group. But they find all the exact same shows. And that's kind of interesting with all the choices that are. We always hug. Oh, it used to be we only had the four channels and we couldn't. You couldn't watch anything else but what was on. And it was a mm-hmm. video of a rock, you know, mm-hmm. and now <laughs> with all of these options, they're still finding the same thing and watching the same thing with with all of the streaming services and all of the YouTube stuff. They're all watching the same thing. Um. I totally agree, and I uh, it's something that Syracuse and I discovered, well, that well, I mean, I guess like a lot of parents who have a similar age kid, you realize how much they have in common. Yeah. Syracuse, in our case, he calls it the tween whisper network, which I think is a great phrase. Like how it's, you know, this hundredth monkey thing, like how is it that suddenly everybody's really into like slicing videos on YouTube? How did that, like, how did that happen? I think now, right now, I think a lot of it comes in through TikTok. My kid knows tons of music and stuff because she watches so much TikTok. Um, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, obviously you do. You're 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 saying the same thing here. But it goes to stuff like craft projects. Oh, the large beanbag chair we we got for Christmas. Yeah. Like suddenly every kid wants a big beanbag chair. Um, and in, when I was a youngster, you could I'm sure you could write that down to TV commercials, bok bok, because we're seeing the same you know ad for Stratego 90 times every afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> you sank my battleship. Pretty sneaky, sis. Operate. <laughs> Where? I can't see. Here, diagonally. <laughs> Take out his funny bone. Ah. I was, um, uh, yeah, you know what? God, I, I, you know me. I, uh, I am easily triggered with a rhythm or a song. It doesn't, it doesn't, it takes very, very little to set me off and get a song in my head. Yeah. It's just the dumbest stuff. Um, and it's, it's, it's so embarrassing. But um, the, uh, I, was, I was saying to my, my wife, like, do, do you remember, uh, well, I'm asking you now, Dan, do you remember like on afternoon TV or like on your UHF station, there'd always be those commercials for music compilations. And, and one uh, sort of compilation I'm guessing this was all from the same company around uh, 79, 80, definitely 81. There are all these music compilations from these bands and singers I'd never heard of or had heard very little of. So Boxcar Willie, remember that? Yes, I do. Do you remember (laughs) Nina Muscura, Zamfir, Master of the Pan Flute? This is off the dome, by the way. Off the dome. uh, Well, no, I mean, like these are all ones where not only do I remember these, in some cases, I can sing the portion of the song. I so clearly remember hearing the one line of the song. Remember it was scroll on screen with light white letters and whatever the song you're listening to right now was in yellow letters. 
know what I'm talking about? Yes, actually, yes, I do. He sold more records than Elvis and the Beatles combined. <laughs> Slim Whitman. Una Paloma Blanca. Remember that with the yodeling guy? Wow. Yes, I yes. do. Or do you remember Red Sovine? Come on, back truckers, talk to Teddy Bear. No, that one I don't remember. <laughs> uh, my, my rig is Phantom 309. It was, we would just hear them over and over and over. And then you may, maybe a song, especially Nina Mascuro, what? Like you would, uh, you might hear the song later on the radio. And you're like, oh God, I guess that's a real song. Yeah. Is that Freedom Rock? We'll turn yeah, it up. man, we'll turn it up, man. I remember that one. Do you remember the one with the, the, the guy that would have, um, he had a, he, I, I always thought maybe he was some kind of fig, but he, hmm. he was yellow. Fig, fig like the fruit. Fig like the fruit. And he would say, uh, hankering for a hunk of cheese. That guy. Oh yeah. I hanker for a hunk of a slab or slice of chunk. Yeah, that one. For a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. That's well, the uh, nutrition one from, yeah, well, uh, he usually ran about? late in the morning on Saturday mornings on ABC. Yeah, Schoolhouse yeah. Rock you'd see earlier. Those were usually right around, you knew you were getting close to that very, very sad time around 11 or 12. When it would all be, like, be over. It would all be over. Did you get Wonderama? No. But there were shows like Wonderama. Wonderama was this what really was good that? one hour. Um, it, 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 there was Wonderama and then there's a show after it, like the Super Duper Kids Express or something like that. I forget what it was called. But um, yeah, it's, it always felt like, you know, by the time you got to Cosby, like you were Fat Albert, usually things were kind of winding down. It's like, hmm, my, my, my Saturday's going away. In the news. So this so morning anyway. I, was, I was on a walk with my son and he was saying uh-huh. how he feels bummed out that uh, school was basically gone. He hasn't been able to go to school. He, hasn't, he loves school. He hasn't been able to see his friends. Oh, that's nice. That's so good to hear. And I, I said, yeah, I said, you know, really thinking about it, like you were robbed, you know, you were robbed yeah. of part of your school year. And I was pointing out to him that, you know, think about, I mean, for him, it's just going from the, the last bit of sixth grade into seventh grade. But imagine people who are graduating high school or college now who they don't get to walk. They don't get to be with, with friends. They don't get to have the whole real graduation experience Yeah, that as I, much yeah, as I was opposed to it in my sort of, <laughs> you know, late teen angsty kind of a way, like I still remember those two days very, yeah, very I mean, I think I, this is just a, a pet theory of mine that I've applied to myself and consequently to my kid. But uh, I, I think there's, there ought to be a distinction between not liking something. How can I put this? Okay. So here uh facts stated. This is known. I like when we go on a walk or a hike as a family. Okay, so like, I'm telling this kind of like memento style. But like, I'm like, that was fun. We should do that more. Let's, you know, come home, wash your hands, have a shower, right? Um, But believe me, buddy, that ain't me before the hike. Because here's me before the hike. (laughs) Do I have to do it? Right. I think there ought to be a distinction between liking something or hating something as against liking or hating, uh, knowing that the thing's coming, preparing for that thing. I like doing things. I don't like having things to do. Does that make sense? Yes, completely. I think that that ought to be uh, a distinction. Uh, school is so important for so many things. I've just, I keep thinking about all these different scenarios in my head of different people. One of them we're going to talk about here uh, as one of our topics today. Oh, but yes. I keep thinking about, you know, the role of at different ages for kids, really different ages, uh, certain kinds, 
of stimulation or exposure, repeated stimulation, repeated exposure are so important for your development. You know, like I, for example, my kid, I'm so happy to say that my kid loves to read, has always loved to read. And I, I think that is in no small part due to what my wife and I were trying to do with pre-literacy, which is like, we go to the library like four times a week. You've mm-hmm. got, you can't read, but you're, you could make a fort out of these books. Books are going to be a part of your life from the time that you're little. If you, if you decide not to be a person who likes reading or if for whatever reason you have difficulty, maybe you've got, you know, um, dyslexia or something, but you know, we want to give you the materials to enjoy reading. I'm so glad that that worked out. But that's the result of a multi-year effort on many fronts. Part of that was because we used to go to the library all the time. When the library was closed for renovations, we went to the bookmobile every Monday afternoon. Every right. Monday afternoon. Right, right, right. Uh, so kids, that's just one example, let alone physical development, you know, let alone socialization. You know, there's so many kids of so many ages right now that are not able to do what a kid does at their age. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to like sound some klaxon about, you know, <laughs> oh, this, is, this is worse the cure being worse than the problem, whatever that means. I, you know, I'm, I just, but it does make me sad. It makes me sad for my kid because she's going to have, she's been having a really good year at this, this new school that she goes to first year in middle school. And like, that's just going to be a hole in her life. Not just her, everybody. Yeah. Well, that's what I told, that's what I told him. I said, you know, I said the, the, the other side of this is it's not just you. It's not just yeah. your school or your grade or your class. It's everyone in the whole world, every kid in the whole world who's in kindergarten up through their last year of college, like they're all affected by this. And so are the adults, but you know. John and I were talking about this, uh, John Roderick and I were talking about this yesterday um, on our program and uh, just kind of, I don't know, grousing, mostly John, but me too, grousing a little bit about the the theater of school that we're still expected to perform with, you know, (laughs) fairly small assets and space. Right, yeah. But just talking about like the, like which, what you know, if we really wanted to keep keep our kids, is it that we're trying to keep our kids with the idea that they are in school? Are we trying to like keep that ritual alive? Are we trying to instill the core curriculum that they would be tested on? What, you know, what are, what is this in service of? Because the way we approach this canon should be extremely different for each kid, each family, based on what it is we're trying to accomplish. And I don't think that mission statement... Maybe it's in the thousands and thousands of emails that I get all the time about the most minute things that happen inside the school system. But so um, many emails and I tweeted, I tweeted about it. And uh, one of the teachers from my kid's school replied to my tweet and is like, it's (gasps) just because we love your kids. I'm like, oh, Oh, no, he's he's awesome. He's a great teacher. You were bitchy on Maine. (laughs) Oh, no, (laughs) that sucks. Yeah. Um, but what was the point in all of that? It's, it's bad. That it sucks for everybody. Bitchy on me. And that's pretty good. Um, uh, sucks for everybody. And yeah, I agree with you. So anyway, we were talking about this and talking about the role of school and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, John, John was saying, well, you know, it, it, when, it, when we get through this, uh, you know, there's not going to be anybody who utterly forgot what happened in 2020. And so, you know, it's, it's difficult, it's somewhat difficult to make the case that, oh, well, you know, for when things go back to quote unquote normal, we want to be able to resume. And like, you know, it's like, oh, dude, most school systems are screwed up if they have, you know, every school system where it snows, they have snow days, right? Mm -hmm. And what happens if you have a really, really bad, let's say month of, of school. So you had five days allotted. Let's say for snow days. Yeah, Are you with me? Yep. But but you go over 
on your mm, snow days. Right. Then you have to extend the school year. That's mm-hmm. for like five too many days. How do you make up for two missing months? And that's what, so John and I are just saying, like, it's, you know, we could use some clarification on that. But the, the title of the episode came from my name for this, which is, this is going to be remembered as the year with the asterisks. Because this is the ultimate asterisk year. It's right. going to be difficult to, you know, so what am I talking about here? If you go look at, you Let's know, talk about like, something important. Let's talk about something important. You go and look at something like baseball um, records mm-hmm. or um, like a World Series win or any of that kind of stat, because baseball is such a stats-heavy sport. Oh, yeah. And one thing people love about that, if you are like a little bit of a data nerd, is that, you know, baseball is always baseball. Yeah, the, the inside of the baseball changes. You get like a hotter or colder, you know, ball. Things change with designated hitter rule. You get changes, you know, infield fly rule changes, whatever. Or you get something wild. Like you discover that this baseball team threw the World Series for money. Right. Well, now, when you look at the... Uh, forgive me if I'm talking down to you, listener. I, I don't know if everybody's seen um, Eight Men Out. But um, now from now on, 19, what? 17, 18, 19? It's always going to have an asterisk next to it because mm-hmm. that's the way of saying, look down here for the note that explains why you should not take what happened this year at face value. Right. If you were not there for this year, you might not remember this as... Uh, 1980, the year of the air traffic controller strike, which had a huge impact on so many different things. You may not remember this as, uh, like, what's another one? The year that, but, you know, where there's incomplete data or something anomalous happened. You know, if you, no no sound economist um, is going to take October 2001 and October 2000 and compare them year over year. Why? Well, look at the asterisk. Oh, right, 9-11. Yeah, so that would probably not be an apples and oranges comparison. I think this is the year with the asterisks. Um, yeah. It's going to, it's, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Wild stuff, though. Um, I mean, I've kidded, not kidded, kidding, not kidding, sorry, not sorry. I've thought for a long time that the way the, almost everything about the United States college and university system is a house of cards. There's no way, I, I don't see the sustainability of charging people forty, sixty thousand dollars a year to get a degree where there's, there's, it would be so difficult to pay that loan back for four years of that, mm-hmm. right? I thought yeah. that for a long time. How do you keep all these professors in humanities employed if people aren't taking humanities classes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And I just wonder how that's, uh, how this is all going to affect colleges and universities. Um, University of California, um, the the big uh, poobah, uh, Janet Napolitano. Uh, I should get this quote right. I believe that what she said was they are not going to use SATs and ACTs um, to evaluate entry to UC colleges and universities. Um, How do they get in? But evaluate them by height. <laughs> like what, is, what are they going to use? Well, um, I mean, I don't. I, I don't know enough to say this with confidence and clarity. But it's my understanding that even inside of universities. They understand that um, standardized testing is, is – my understanding is that even inside of universities, they understand that standardized testing is useful for one thing, which mostly, which is the high correlation between high test scores and success in college. That does not show that you are smart. It does not show that you are good. It shows, it shows that you got a high score on a thing that correlates well with success, mm-hmm. which if you think about it, is B-A-N-A-N-A-S. That is wild if you think about it. Yeah. You can't come in here unless you can show 
that this thing where we notice these two lines tend to overlap if you, you need to do well on that test. So I think it's been a pretty begrudging thing, but it's a, it's a, it's a sorting hat that works. Um, and I think if I read correctly, they're talking, you know, if you tell me something you like, I'll go look this up. But it's my understanding they're considering just dropping standardized testing in, at UC. And UC, so, you know, it's a big, big, uh, um, big state, lots of different systems. UC is there, I mean, you don't say it's the good schools because they're, they're all good schools. No, there are there are no bad schools in the whole world. <laughs> and of course, it's made even more confusing because there's UC, the University of California, and that's where you get stuff like, you know, Berkeley or Davis or all the mm-hmm. different campuses. And what's the other one? UC and, um, and y- there's like three systems. So, uh, it's sort of like, <laughs> it's sort of like Banana Republic, you know, Gap and Old Navy. Um, anyway, I will look three, that up. Three sides of the same coin. Absolutely. Dan, tell me about something you like. I would love to tell you about Squarespace. Oh, come on. Squarespace? They are such a great supporter of ours since... The, how long have we been doing this show? Double January that. January 2011. Double it, add five, Whoa. and divide Ooh. by two. And that's how long they've been a supporter. Divide that by nine, please. And there is so much that you can do with Squarespace. Squarespace is still my go-to place whenever I need to build a new website, whenever I recommend to someone who wants to start a site. We have Fireside customers who have Squarespace front ends because there's so much you can do with, you built with that those into, websites. You built that into Fireside and don't think I didn't notice. I tried. You've got a nice little area where you say, do you want to just use me for the podcasty stuff? Should I? Are you going to put this on a site somewhere else as well? It's yeah, really I mean, cool. It, and that's what's nice about Squarespace is it integrates with so much. If you're, a, if you're a YouTube type person and you want to post your latest videos, but you don't want someone to have the YouTube experience, you just want to have a place for your videos. If you're a photographer, mm-hmm and you want to post those if you're a band and you want to have your album up i mean really anything that you want to do whether you're promoting your business or announcing an event or i mean really anything that you want to put up on the web it's got built-in e-commerce it's got the ability to customize everything the look the feel the settings the products and you do this all just clicking around and there's so much to learn and discover. And that's kind of the fun part of it. But you don't have to learn and discover. You're right. If you want to just go slapdash, get a site up for your thing, you can do that. Dan, we, remember that one time we tried, we bought a domain mm-hmm. and set up a Squarespace site. I think for me it was 20 minutes ti- for right, you. We timed it. Yeah. Yeah. You were less, I think yours was like less than 15 minutes from buying a domain to having a site up. And then if I may jump in here, yeah. the thing that's lovely about Squarespace, you hear these words over and over. But one thing that's so neat about a Squarespace site, uh, you, back in the day, you used to see things like you got your clones, you got your PHP BB things, you know, all these portal-ish sites yeah, where you could like have a box with a header here and you got to pick the color of the line around it. Mm-hmm. It was very sophisticated stuff. Right. Squarespace has taken ideas like that to the next level because it sure doesn't look like, it doesn't, they're giving you these paints that you can use to make a beautiful painting and it doesn't look like you don't know how to paint because you're just saying, I want this thing here. I want, I want to link to this fantastic four trade paper back here. I want a map here. I want to have this thing that I like just this one part of the page, one other person takes care of, and they like to maintain that in Markdown and they'll handle that for me. And it all still looks the same and great. It's very, very powerful and yet very simple. Uh, and I, th- I do feel like there's a reason they're the, uh, as we say, the gorilla in this space, Squarespace. Squarespace. So for people who, who like what we're talking about and who want to Get in on this. They've Check got what a, we're putting down. They like what we're putting down. That's right. Are they picking it up? I think I think they should be because if mm-hmm, they want to mm-hmm. support this show, they just go to squarespace.com 
slash it's your show. Just visiting. Word? It's one word. Okay. Okay. And just going there, I feel like that shows Squarespace that people are listening. And so there's people like, I don't need Squarespace right now. And they say it like that. I hate They that. say it. And it's that uh, same voice. Just go there and check it out. And um, when you are ready to sign up or ready to get a domain name, because you can yeah. do just that. You don't have to have, there's, this is confusion. And people are always stopping on the street saying, wait yeah. a minute. Do I have to? Hey, hey, ain't you damn Benjamin? Don't do. Do I have to have a website if I? No, you yeah. can just get a domain with them if you want, or the site, or both. Whatever. It's listen. I'm not wow. here to tell people how to use the service. I'm here no. to tell them that they can. Yes. So go it's to squarespace.com/slash/itcher/show when you're ready to sign up and you want 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Uh, you can just use the promo code "it's your show," which is still one word. And you'll get the 10% off. And so go, go there and do it. You know what? I'm, you know who I'm talking to? I'm talking about people who are, who are hairstylists. I'm talking about people who sell furniture. I'm talking about real estate brokers. I'm talking about uh, museums. I'm talking about people who set up weddings. Those are the people who are going to benefit from this and more. Go there, check it out, make your site, save 10%. It's your show. Thanks to Squarespace. Boom. Thanks Squarespace. Buck, buck. Uh, in a decision that could lead, uh, this is the Los Angeles Times. I am a subscriber. Uh, in a decision that could lead to a shakeup of the nation's standardized testing landscape, University of California President Janet Napolitano is recommending the suspension of the SAT and ACT tests as an admissions requirement until 2024 and possible elimination after that. Didn't see that one coming. No. Yeah. Um, I think we got a couple things to talk about. Dan, you uh, you re-reminded me of something wonderful that I uh, I think we agree we want to share with our listeners. Yes. Uh, yeah, if you're talking about the sixty-eight, sixty-eight, bits, yeah, sixty-eight guns will never die. Yep. So yep, I, yep, yep. I I uh, I saw that I found this thing. Somebody posted this on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I thought it was you who had posted it on Twitter, and mm-hmm. uh, I sent it back to you and said. This is great. I think you showed this to me. And in fact, no, yes. No, no. Wait a minute. You have. Sorry. Sorry. Wrong. I, I take pride in rarely you being the guy. You showed me this. I did show you that, but it, I only do this with Max Temkin because he is a thief of thoughts. He, he does not credit me enough. And when he posts something that I told him about online, look for an emoji of a pineapple as my response, because that is your code to know that Max totally stole that from me. I don't do that with you. It would be unseemly. I said, isn't that great? That was really great. And then I did send you the tweet just because I wanted you to see the one that I really liked. Should we tell people what we're talking about? <laughs> yes. You, you, tell, you tell them because you can do the it intro. more justice. Hi. No. Hi. Hi. Um, uh, there's this really cool guy named Kevin Kelly. And Kevin Kelly, I don't need to go through his whole CV, but uh, what you need to know about Kevin Kelly, well, first of all, he's, uh, I, I always say this because it's true. He's one of my favorite humans and one of the most curious people I've ever met in my life and things you may know Kevin from. Uh, he used to work in, in the very late days of the Whole Earth Review and the Whole Earth Catalog. He worked with Stuart Brand there. Uh, he was at Wired. He's still at, he's still at Wired in kind of an emeritus position, I think, but he was one of the founders of Wired. Um, and these days he's a guy who just incessantly makes different things. He's like one of the original maker guys, uh, but in like a really interesting way, in an indie way, like he, he'll like publish his own books. Like once a year, Kevin will just send everybody, uh, you just get this, like a book from Kevin that he's made, whether that's photos, uh, whether that's his giant f- fiction book, but he's just a really, he's a generous, kind, interesting, curious guy and just 
it's so interesting to be around somebody like him who's done so much in life. Oh, you know what? Is, I can't give you Brady's bits. You know, one of his, uh, not a claim to fame, but an interesting Brady's bit. He was in the first segment of the first episode of This American Life in 1995. And, uh, and so he just turned 68. Happy birthday, Kevin. And, happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday. And for, in conjunction with that, he has a blog post. Um, and went out to his uh, email list, too. It's his um, 68 bits of unsolicited advice. At, at the age, just ripe old age of 68, Kevin shares 68 bits of unsolicited advice. And this is... Bleep this. This is so much. Bleep. This is old school, like really good online content, internet content. This is, this is like from even the pre-listicle days. This is good stuff. Dan, did you, you enjoyed this? Yes, I very much enjoyed this. I, I was a, it was a joy to read and to really take your time reading it and enjoying it. And uh, I love this. And this is the kind of thing I've, I feel I know I'm probably not supposed to, I'm supposed to probably feel inspired or something, but it it makes me feel like I'm not uh, mm-hmm. producing enough good stuff, and uh, and mm-hmm. that I don't have 47 bits of unsolicited advice that, and I feel like now I should have them. But now makes they me, need to I mean, be they're, different. They're all just little little bits. It reminds me of a wonderful book I loved in college called Rules of Thumb. It taught me a lot about life. Um, very similar, like just little bits, little bits of observation. And I agree with you. Uh, I don't find this quote unquote inspirational in the usual way. Uh, I, perhaps like you. It makes me feel like I could be trying harder. Right, like I'm, I'm very much an, an underachiever now. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that dumb cliche? Yes, I totally Thanks, agree. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the cliche, um, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like the, the, sorry, I'm spacing up. The, yeah, what, what's uh, happening to you? I think <laughs> I smell <laughs> toast. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of this format of a piece of a blog post it tends yeah. to be pretty cheesy corny you know live laugh love kind of stuff which uh-huh. is fine but uh I, I thought it'd be fun if we picked out a few of these uh that we like and uh, just talk about them a little bit if we have time he's such a insightful man i've i talked to him uh, they interviewed me on some show for a book thing that he did and then they put what i said into into a book and i i felt like i didn't deserve to be put into a book but um <laughs> they're very very i mean the stuff that he's done he truly is like a world traveler and he's had so many experiences and like you look at him and you're like yeah, it just seems like some nice guy, you know, you wouldn't, but he's done it all. He's been everywhere. He's done everything. <laughs> and, um, what a, what a charming guy. And, and I love, I love his advice. And you, yeah, um, he's got some had, miles on those tires. Yeah. You had the nice idea to pick a few of these and I'm, um, I want you to go first. Did you, did okay. you pick out a few that you liked or, or I did, I did. I know? got, I got way too many, but, um, the first one that really and, grabbed me. How do you, uh, how do you pick good ones? They're all good. I know. I know. Um, the one that really grabbed me first is one of the pretty early ones. Um, being enthusiastic is worth 25 IQ points. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's strictly true. I don't know if that's exactly accurate, but I sure know what he means. You know, um, whether that's trying to, well, in the, in the before times, um, getting a job. Being enthusiastic uh, at a job interview is really underrated. 
if you can actually say to somebody in a way that is honest, is like, here's why I would be good for this job. And actually, right. he has another piece of advice about that further down, about when you're trying to get a job, like, don't rest, like, be the solution to a problem right. when you're trying to get a job, stuff like that. Um, being enthusiastic is worth 25 IQ points. I think that's a, that's pretty smart. What's yours? What's your first one? My first one is the same one that I uh, pasted to you yesterday. It yep, says, it's on my uh, list. Yep. When, when you get an invitation to do something in the future, ask yourself, would you accept this if it was scheduled for tomorrow? Not too many promises will pass that immediacy filter. And I love the term immediacy filter. filter. Oh, it's so good. We've talked about how precious the commodity of time is. It's the one thing you can't generate more of. You can't work harder and make more time. You just Mm -hmm. have the time that you've got. And my, one of the big problems, and we've, we've talked about this too in, in the past was that I would overcommit to things. I would say yes to too many things. I would get excited about something. I would say yes. And then when the time came to actually do it, it's like you were talking about in the top of the show, um, where you, you kind of would say, I don't really like, I like, I like it when I'm doing the excursion, but I don't really <laughs> want to go and do the excursion. It's, <laughs> it's, it's how easy it is to say, yeah, let's do it. That'd be fun. And what I learned the hard way was that when I would say yes to something, that would set someone's expectation about that thing that I just said yes to. Oh, do you want to go do this? Yeah, sure. That'd be fun. In my mind, I was like, well, maybe we'll sort of do that eventually if it seems like we feel like doing it ever. And to the other person, it's like, okay, now I need to go and pick a time and they'll actually devote time, energy, resources on under the expectation or with the belief that you're on board, even when I wasn't on yes. board. So that's a there's, thing. Um, I, there, I feel like it was, might've been Cory Doctorow. Um, but there's, there's I'm sure, I'm sure there's a smart person who could tell me where this comes from, but um, there is a phenomenon. This is, this is, this is a turns out uh, there is a phenomenon in people where the further away a notional event would be on your schedule, the further in the future, let me put it this way, the further in the future it is, the more likely you are to accept it. Right. I think right. we talked about this before, but, and this is, this goes to this idea of the immediacy uh, filter. Um, so like if somebody asks you to do an event like right now versus an event of uh, all the things being equal, the same event two years in the future, most people are very likely to accept the one two years in the future, much more so anyway than they would the one that's right now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and that's, that's maybe that's a different kind of cognition where like the further away something is, but then there is also that Stephen Covey thing of like urgent, like latest and loudest as David Allen says. And I think mm-hmm. we all do sort of succumb to that. Again, to quote the great Dr. Katz, dad, it's not that I don't want to go to bingo with you. It's that I don't want to see bingo on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's see here. Okay. Let me, uh, some of these, uh, let's see. Hard to pick. It's hard to pick. It is hard to pick. And I, I, I know we have somewhat limited time cause we wanted to uh, maybe do another thing as well. Um, well this one, let's do, I'll do two and then maybe you do two. You, um, you are what you do, not what you say, not what you believe, not how you vote, but what you spend your time on. So it's probably time for me to go look up that uh, thing that's been attributed to Aristotle and almost definitely isn't, which is you are, you are what you frequently do. I, mm-hmm. I do believe that. Uh, my other sec, my second one here, trust me, there is no quote unquote them. <laughs> them. <laughs> it's like, what if there was no them? Yeah. <laughs> what if there was only we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm good at that, but I don't need advice. Let me, let me, let me say this to you. My sweet summer child, you, uh, you don't need advice about stuff you're already good at. 
you need advice about stuff you're not so good at. And that hurts. You know, it's like uh, the band That Dog says, by definition, a crush must hurt. If the advice doesn't hurt a little bit, it's probably not very good advice. Oh, I'm going to do one of these. 53 at 53. That might be an ESPN series. Give me a, give me a couple of your uh, goodies. I really like this one. To make something good, just do it. To make something great, just redo it, redo it, redo it. The secret to making fine mm-hmm. things is in remaking them. And how many products that we use, how many services that we use, how many things that we have are just iterations on prior iterations. And right. You know, one of, so here's, here's an example. When I was in the market to get my truck, I, uh, I researched a lot about trucks. I'd driven them before. I'd never owned one before. And, you know, I did a lot of research. I test drove a lot of them and I narrowed it down to the two that I liked. And one of them was a new, new, it was its first year with the new body style and all these new upgrades and new features and stuff. And I said, hell no, I'm not getting that one. I'm going to get the one that's, if I ever do get that one, it'll be in five years after that thing has been iterated and fixed and iterated <laughs> and fixed. Instead, yeah. I'm going to go with the one that's been iterated on already five times, you know, that's in its fourth or fifth year of that body style or that thing where the only real changes from year to year were, oh, well, they, you know, they improved the safety feature in this one thing and they added a thing and all oh, the headlights look a little cooler this year. But for me, you'd say, well, that's not the cutting edge. It's not new. It's not the latest, greatest. And no, the whole point is I don't want that. I want the thing that has been redone over and over and over again and refined over and over and over again, you know, and there's something Mm -hmm. to that. I really like that one. Yeah, I I, I really do agree. And uh, there's a a million angles to this, but, you know, it's not always the most expensive. It's not always the fanciest, you know, but something like the way like at least craftsman tools used to be. Or, you know, craftsman tools for a consumer product were not only very dependable for a time, but they had a lifetime guarantee. It was like one of the original lifetime guarantees that I was aware right, of, which is right. you walk, could walk into any Sears with yeah. your wrench and say, uh, you know, this this uh, this metric uh, wrench, you know, is chipped or something like that. Right. And they'll just hand you a new wrench. Just hand you a new no, one. No questions asked. So, like, not only do they make the best tool, but they got your back, which I really like a lot. I was talking um, to a mechanic friend of mine when I was in uh, in high school. He was my friend's uh, stepdad, and he was um, he had been in pretty much every armed force. Uh, he had was a really good, you know what 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 you would call a mechanic, but he was the type that could he could fix everything from an aircraft engine to a power plant to a car to your refrigerator. He he knew it all. And he had a, the, the tools he used were called Snap-on. Have you ever heard of that? Uh-huh. Snap-on? Yeah, yeah. Like the Snap-on tools. I've seen the truck. They yeah. have a truck. And the only way to buy these things is from a truck that ba- basically mm-hmm. drives around. It shows up and they're like, what do you want to buy? And then you you buy those. And these tools were incredibly expensive. It was. It reminded me of the Mac versus PC thing back in the day yeah. where yeah. Macs, for those who don't remember or weren't around, the so Mac costly. was like a third to half or sometimes even twice as much more money than a PC with equal uh, There was a point when it got real bad, I feel yeah. like. I mean, like my SE, my SE was not that expensive. It was probably not an SE30, but my first Mac. But, you know, before the clones came along, mm-hmm. I mean, you were spending the equivalent of like 10 grand on a computer. Yeah, sometimes. it was absolutely nuts. And these Snap-on tools were equally, oh, comparatively, Costly. That much more expensive. And mm-hmm. I, I also, I thought the name Snap-on, to me, it sounded like 
junk. It's a, you know, that does not <laughs> oh, a name yeah. that doesn't make you like craftsman makes you think of quality and snap on. Yeah. It's like, oh, what is that? Gas station tools. But, you know, I said, what what are those? And I never heard of them. He's like, well, you wouldn't have heard of them. I said, why? I said, well, you're not like a full time mechanic doing repairs like they we all know that they're the best i said well what kind of warranty do they have and i said he's like what do you mean i said well you know craftsman if it breaks uh they'll give you a new one what what does snap on do he says they don't break (laughs) and i'll never forget that that's Um, a good story yeah and, and 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 but like they were really of of a different quality and uh, and so, yeah, that goes back to what you were saying. I so have read, me, read me back the, uh, the question that that was, uh, related to, um, the question, it's not the question, the advice, rather. the advice, See, I already lost it. Uh, it was, see, now you're, you're making me feel, uh, lost to make something good. Just do it to make right. something great. Just redo it, redo it, redo it. The secret to making fine things is in remaking yep. them. And then yeah. the, the last one yeah. that I had is mm-hmm. uh, separate the process of creation from improving, and I guess this one buttresses nicely to last one, you can't write and edit or sculpt and polish or make and analyze at the same time. If you do, the editor stops the creator. While you invent, don't select. While you sketch, don't inspect. While you write the first draft, don't reflect. At the start, the creator mind must be unleashed from judgment. That is very, very good. You know, in other words, yeah. just build it. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things wrong with it. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be flawed. Don't worry about that. Get it out. Get it out yeah. of yourself, you know? Well, that, and that, that, is in, that, is, that is such a temple of so many smart thinkers who have made things. It's true. Annie Lamott says that. Um, uh, the woman, the writing down the bones woman, Natalie, uh, what's her head, says that... Um, uh, it's such a big deal in writing. People just say, like, you know, just go scribble on the page, just make a bunch of junk. And I, I really, I really think that's true. Um, and it's, it reminds us. This I know we talked about this probably a very long time ago, just but just real quick in passing. Um, there's a guy down in Menlo Park. I think his name is Roger Van Eck. And I, re- I read a book of his uh, when I was in like middle school. I think <laughs> I really like business books. <laughs> um, it was he had one called a whack on the side of the head and a kick in, another one was a kick in the seat of the pants. Might have been college, but in any case, he has a model that is uh, that's evolved out of other people's ideas for sure. But he was my introduction to this idea. Uh, so he's like a consultant guy and a, like a creativity guy. Uh, and he says that you can break the creative process into four characters. Always, this has always resonated with me. In order to have a successful creative project, you need to have four characters. And all the characters are you. The very first, you're an explorer. It, it's the explorer's job is just to go out and gather all the things, and uh, sort of you know collect them. The then you have to become an artist, and an artist takes all of those raw materials, and figures out what can be made of this. At some point, and I'm going through this very very quickly. Um, at some point, the the artist passes that on to the judge, and the judge is the third character who says, you know, are, is this good? Should we should we have, make this thing happen? Mm-hmm. And finally, you've got the warrior, uh, and the warrior is a person that makes it happen. So the explorer says, you know, what's out there? I'm paraphrasing here. The explorer says something along the lines of, what is what all is out there? The artist says, what can I make of this? The judge says, um, is this good? Should I make, should I put this out there? And then the warrior is the one that says, like, how do I get this accomplished? Right. And I think that's so valuable because implicit in that is at any point any of those four characters could go back one or more people. So if the warrior says, oh, hey, wait a minute, this is, 
you know, at some point the warrior says, I'm not so sure about this. And the judge goes, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And then that's just not so great. That might tick you all the way back to the explorer and saying, well, let's try a different direction with this. Let's not get so, this is not a one-way process. And I think that however you want to phrase that, that's one of the smartest things you can do with somebody is show them, I mean, there's a reason we, we, sketch, we sketch in pencil, right? We ink yeah. in ink. Right. Right. <laughs> like it, it's, there's, there's really something to that. And I, I think if we all search our hearts and are being honest with ourselves, we know that a challenge like that. So Kevin's advice to a challenge like that to say like, you know, here's, here's a, a mental model for thinking about how you do this. And if you get the right kind of mental model, um, it's not no guarantee that you're going to be a successful genius artist, but it will enable you to access um, skills and abilities that are otherwise going to stay pretty locked up. What a smart right. guy. Yeah. So um, one of the, uh, one of the other things that I, I just wanted to mention that, that kind yeah. of comes from this is, or, or my takeaway from this is that all of, all of the things that he lists on here are really insightful. There isn't, there isn't one I, I would take out. There isn't one I would take away. Right. And that's fascinating to me because there is, you know, if you really were to distill down, like what advice would you want to leave? There's one more that I wanted to do. Yeah, Let by me all means. find it. I've got to, I was looking for, well, you know, I don't pay attention while I'm, I don't multitask well when I have to listen at the mm-hmm. same time, but I'm looking for it now. I'll, and, I'll do one while you're looking for yours. All right. Is that cool? Yes. Uh, while Dan is looking, the purpose of a habit is to remove that action from self-negotiation. You no mm. longer expend energy deciding whether to do it. You just do it. Good habits can range from telling the truth to flossing. And, and you know, like like so many of these, there's a, I wish I had a, a name for this phenomenon, because I, I really do sound like a dope when I say this, but <laughs> I feel like when you're... Um, you get to a point in adulthood where you realize it's one thing to know something and it's another thing to know something, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. There's knowing, which is that I have an intellectual grasp of a concept that people have said over and over. Um, and that's knowing. But knowing something is like, oh, yeah, that. That has landed very heavily on my head and shoulders area. And that is now an incontrovertible part of my life. Oh, you know, having a kid will change your life. Yeah, I know. Oh, having a kid changes your life. Mm -hmm. It's your life that got changed. Yeah. And you know, this whatever, who cares? But like, it's true. So many things that could even be a band or a movie where you're like, you know, uh, you, this sounds like the, it might be the kind of movie that doesn't sound very good to you, but like you go and you're watching you're like, Oh, okay. I, I didn't get what this was. Like I knew this movie was good, but I didn't really know this movie was good because I hadn't seen it. I hadn't been through it. And I feel like that rings true for a lot of these bits of advice. Um, a, a person of my age would have found this merely, merely amusing uh, well, not not at the current age, but if I were reading this, let's say when I was twenty, uh, it's not that I was a total dope, but like I, this has the the patina of wisdom to it, as in like n- none of this stuff is is BS to make you feel good about your Instagram letterboard. Like this is stuff <laughs> that is meant to challenge your idea in some cases of why I'm stuck or why I'm, how I'm where I am, and. I love that feeling of like, well, you know, these are, these are all, these are all pretty good nugs because they are based in a guy who's seen some stuff. Did you find yours? I did. Yes. Read it. Okay. Uh, there's, there's two. Um, 
you really don't want to be famous. Read the biography of any <laughs> famous person. It's so true. Um, and, and that kind of connects to before you're old, attend as many funerals as you can bear and listen. Nobody yeah. talks about the departed's achievements. The only thing people will remember is what kind of person you were while you were achieving. That's, that's, uh, it's, it's dark, but it's really, really true. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's certain kinds of things in life. It's very difficult to prepare for unless life has already chosen to prepare you for it. That was pretty good. That was really good. Dan, I think we're running a little bit long today. So mayhaps what I should do here is, is (laughs) toss out this very vague concept I've been thinking about, um, and toss it out to our, our listeners and, um, maybe see if it interests you to talk about. Okay. Maybe in the future. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. And because I'm worrying a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, of course, we've, we've got a lot going on with COVID. Um, everybody's got a lot going on. And a lot of people are working from home. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe more so than usual, or in a lot of cases, people who've never um, worked from home because they couldn't work from home for any variety of reasons. And now the need has come along, obviously, for people in, to be, if possible, to be able to work from home. And I guess the, the concept or the question I want to toss out, um, I asked my wife about this. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I said, you know, when you were, when they knew that this was coming uh, through the rye, that there was going to be a work from home situation going on, I was like, how much interaction did you have with your team above, below, like with your managers? Like, how much did you talk about stuff like public stuff, like, um, you know, here's, here's uh, how we're going to use Slack. But also kind of like more private stuff of um, were you asked about your unique challenges? Mm-hmm. Were you asked about your, your, your specific uh, individual needs, whether that's technology or, <laughs> I mean, mental health assistance? But also like, did, were you, were you um, encouraged to talk about uh, each of the individual team members expectations. And she, you know, she's like, yeah, it actually went really well. Da, 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 da. The point being, I'm, I'm really, I've started just thinking a lot about this and especially that expectations part. And so maybe I'll, I'll do, so what it, the point I put out a Twitter poll, which is very scientific. As yes. Everybody yes. Knows. It's the most scientific and a very, very accurate representation of, you know, most people. I have to admit it was somewhat surprising on this in show notes. Uh, so I said, poll, uh, first of all, Twitter, can I have more than 25 characters per line? That's not a lot of characters. Okay. Poll as your, this is me. Hi, I'm Merlin. Your pal Merlin from the internet. Poll as your company prepared for people to work from home. How much interaction did you have to address your specific challenges Get extra resources, resources, and set individual expectations. Um, the four responses from which you could choose, because you can only have four on Twitter. Garbage site. <laughs> uh, the four responses that I was able, I originally had like six, but whatever. Um, four options. They were awesome. Number two, not as much as I'd like. Number three, nada and nope. Number four, <laughs> just responses, please. Um, I'm, I guess, very surprised. And pleased to say that uh, 36.7% of respondents uh, said that their company handled it well. I found that I found that surprising for two reasons. Uh, number one, because there's always two things with me. Mm-hmm. The first reason is that, uh, well, I just thought it would be a lot lower, just from my wild guess, because I guess maybe I'm a karma suck. The other thing is that in my experience, 
uh, people tend to respond to things like polls most often when they're very emotional about something and when that emotion is a negative emotion. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I didn't. I, people I think who you're love probably their, right about that. People are, who are satisfied with their care rarely, rarely tick the box. It's the people who are unsatisfied with the care, the Baymax's care, that they want to speak to the manager. That's, they call it the, the Karen syndrome. Yes, yes. Um, so final results, uh, 36.7% said they were awesome. 23% said uh, not as much as I'd like. 27% not in nope, as in they did not get any help, support, interaction. Uh, to only 12% chose to see just responses. So that's, that's that was the response there. And I also said to people that I, I said here, and now I'm talking about the show on the show, I thought this would be a good back-to-work topic, and that uh, I was looking for people's anecdotes and, if possible, for things like data or articles people have seen about that. And there were some nice responses. Um, maybe I could read a few of those. I would love to hear that. First of all, Dan, uh, you there. Have, have you thought about this? Like, <laughs> The, the, and I think, uh, yeah, what I said here, uh, this is me on Twitter. Hi, it's me, your old pal Merlin from the internet. I said, I keep thinking about a notional single mom who was already way overloaded and who may now have the same implicit expectations as a single manager dude with fiber, a Mac Pro, and no kids. Are they talking about these expectations was my question mostly. So what's your thought on this? Have you, what do you got? You got a thought on this? Well, it's your I, show. I, I, I'm fascinated though by, the responses that you got, um, because it wasn't what you, you had said, not what I was expecting, not what I was expecting either. Um, it, if you read the news and you see everything else that's going on, it really, it, it really seems like no one is prepared for this and no one feels good about it. But the responses that you got were a little, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I'll read, if you don't mind, I'll read just a few of these. Um, let's see. These are going to be somewhat out of order. I grabbed as many as I could quickly yesterday. Um, listen to Brian said, my company already had a strong work from home culture. So my team didn't get any new resources. Uh, we'd always been able to do our jobs in a web browser anyway, but I wish that we had more mental health and scheduling resources for the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Listener, Brian, listener, Dr. Don says I work from home a lot already. So no big disruptions, but I do find it infuriating that the university keeps insisting that I fill out a form to inform them of what specific items of university owned hardware I am now using at home entitled white wine. I know. Thank you, Dr. Don. Um, let's see. Um, listener Russ. Um, I definitely felt that as the creed of my office creed, I think that's supposed to be creed Bratton from the office as the creed of my office. Quarantine has been a more productive time due to lack of interruptions and office chatter. But to my younger coworkers with small kids, it looks like it has been a waking nightmare. Face screaming <laughs> in fear emoji. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I had expected. Yeah. I mean, um, look, so 36, I know you did this, but 36.7%, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and again, for positive responses are usually a little more difficult to get because Twitter is a hell site and everyone's mad. So I was really surprised and pleased to hear that. Um, and uh, I actually, I have tons more of these. I have a bunch of DMs from pals that I haven't even read yet, but go ahead. Sorry. No, I, that's all I was saying. It just, you know, for a lot of people it, in, in our sphere, and I imagine a lot of our listeners, we've got a lot of people who are in tech developers, designers, writers, yes. you know, people in that space. So for them, it's like I was in this location and now I'm in this other less ideal location. And that's been the right. main change for the like our kind of people listeners. Um, I think it's the people who are in different. But are, it could be okay. So, but what if they're in a relationship with somebody else, right? So, like mm -hmm. the, the the let's be honest, the dude who listens to this show or the gal. Hello, 
Hello, ladies. Um, the uh, Whoever's listening to this show might be the nerd. The other person might not be. And now they're jammed into the same house with one iMac. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's that's so challenging. And you add kids to that mix? That's bananas. This one uh, from Listener Grant was kind of more of what I had been expecting. Um, Listener Grant says, uh, I was kind of testing the waters with my boss. Like, hey, so everyone must be having trouble with this, right? So what expectations should be different? Unquote. And the response was, <laughs> it's okay to be honest about your struggles. Unquote. Undercut with, you need to have the same output. See, that's, that's, uh, that's spicy meatball. That kind of like the, the, it may not be an elephant in the room, but it's at least a, a small commemorative elephant statue in the room. Mm-hmm. Is that like, uh, yeah, you know, blah, blah, something, something lip service, but you know, go be good and work too much, please. You know? Yeah. Or <laughs> Elon Musk. Don't even get me started on Elon Musk. Well, he Listener wants to be Gale arrested. Says, he says, arrest, arrest me is what he said. He's like, I'm going to, I'll be on the line with the other employees. Yes. If you're going to arrest anyone, arrest me. Let it be the new dad. My wife, uh, my wife told me he actually already has a bunch of kids. I didn't know that. So it's not like it's his first kid. No, he's got a lot of kids. I didn't know that. A lot of hair. Listener Gill says it's been a real issue with teachers too. Uh, we are two teachers with two young kids mm. who are also doing distance learning with one of those kids, all with little to no clarity from our managers. Thank you, listener Gill, and I'm sorry for that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a good one here from listener of name withheld. I work at a company whose owners have always loathed the idea of us working from home. They were reluctant to close initially and are now insisting we'll be back in there, at least in a staggered way, as soon as it's legally permitted. Hmm. There's nothing we can't do remotely and no functional need for the office to be open right now. So that's super frustrating given the unnecessary exposure to people it will create. As far as resources and expectations, um, I was, uh, it was fortunate that we had Slack and Zoom and other things in place already because we were already, we were really uh, sent home to wing it with no support from anywhere in particular. That sucks. Uh, that sucks. There was mm-hmm. already a culture. Uh, unfortunately, this place has a culture that's becoming increasingly terrible, or at least increasingly apparent. And I, I can't wait for there to be a job market again so I can get out. Thank you, listener name withheld. Um, so anyway, I, I um, my, my point in all of this is to derive a more a, a realistic idea of how teams and companies have responded and perhaps as importantly will be responding in these challenging times amid these challenging times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's one thing to say like, okay, we set the rule. Here we go. Boop, ba-doo. But man, talk about trying to hit a bullet with a bullet. Like there's a lot, a lot of grenades uh, rolling around and we don't know how a lot of things are going to go. You know, for example, my lady uh, for the first time in two months went back to her office and she sent, she took some photos. It was so spooky. Of course the place is empty like plants are dying. Uh, everybody's calendar still says March. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like a little flip, flip over national parks calendar. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I think that's probably enough to just kind of put a pin in this for now. I, I just, it's something I'm thinking about. I I'm worried, um, for people. I don't mean to concern, concern troll, um, <laughs> our wonderful co- corporations, but uh, I am worried about people uh, having what they need, not being able to talk about what they need. It sucks when you're in the office. Yeah. That's always sucked. That's why we have this stupid show is because it's hard. Right. It's hard to have these conversations, but I have to imagine perhaps the back to workiest topic of all time. It's got to be so much harder now. How is it okay to have these conversations? Is it okay to be late for the call? Is it okay, you know, that, that your dog 
can be her. You're a senator, and you can hear a dog barking in the background. I don't know the answer to those questions, but I, I think that they are worth, worth asking. And I, I would like to uh, have maybe the smallest role, the, a little role that we could have in helping to normalize um, and socialize um, the having it cool to talk about this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I worry about the people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, what should we do? Should we ask people to email us from your, your website? Why don't we do that? If you, if you, would yeah, that be okay, Dan? Can, can I ask sure. that? Yeah, let's, let's have them do it. Oh, is that, I just don't want, you know, Twitter can be kind of overwhelming. What do you prefer? I mean, I guess. Keep it's it gonna... yourself. Just keep it yourself. Yeah. You want to keep it to yourself. Yeah, keep it to you. Keep it yourself. Same output, same expectations. But if you wanted to email us, you can do that on the website. And if you yeah. want to toot at us, you can toot at us as well. Yeah. Uh, and everybody, as usual, you know, try to not freak out. <laughs> try not to. You got anything else for today, Dan? No, nope, that's it. I mean, anything else could uh, easily wait. Yep, yep, yep. We hope, well, for now. Yeah. <laughs> my, new, uh, my new phrase for everything, for now. Okay, well, in that case, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring the they show. Nice to do that, I think. Very kind bok, of them. Bok. Absolutely. Um, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.